We're going to be learning in Chidush Rabbeinu Chaim HaLevi, the second piece in Hilchus Malve Velove. This is Perak Vav Halacha Zayin. And this is a bit of a more technical piece than usual. Rab Chaim's discussing the Halacha of someone who loans money and they get collateral in return to use during the period of the loan. And then they make money off of that collateral and then the borrower repays the original loan. So at this point, the lender has gotten more money back than they loaned out. So this would seem to be a case of ribis, of interest, which is prohibited by the Torah. But there's a lot of debates and a lot of factors as to when and what type of ribis this would be considered. So Rab Chaim's going to analyze this issue. And the basic setup of the piece is that the Rambam records a debate. And then he asks a question on the second view. And then the Ravid disagrees with the Rambam. So Rab Chaim's going to explain the overall approach of the Rambam versus the Ravid and how they interpret the different sources in the Gemara relating to this question. But he's also going to explain what the Rambam's question was. Obviously, the Rambam does not make it clear. So he's going to explain two different options for that question and how each of the options plays out differently in the whole discussion. So that's why the whole thing gets complicated. The Rambam writes, Horu Rabosai, my teacher's rule, Chamalves Chavero, someone who lends money to his friend. And he collects the friend's field as collateral with the stipulation that he's able to eat the produce all the days of the collateral. So let's say he lent him money for six months. He's able to keep the collateral field for six months and get all the produce of the field. Even though he's not diminishing how much money the friend owes in repayment. So let's say he loaned him $100. The friend is still going to pay him back the $100 in addition over and above whatever produce from the collateral field he was able to get. So there is some interest going on because the friend is paying him back more than he was lent. So the Rambam rules that this is not full interest. Hareza avak ribis. This is called the dust of ribis. It's like ribis, but it's not full ribis. You can't collect the interest money back in court. So if the friend takes the lender to court, he will not be able to get the extra money back. And the Rambam explains, why is this not real interest? Because collateral of a field is different from collateral of a house. Because when he gives him the field as collateral, there's no produce actually growing at that moment. So there was no extra value at that moment. Now, even though the lender then plants and uses the field to create produce, so at some point it did produce extra value, but it's possible that after all the work that he puts into plowing and planting, he's not even going to get produce. Sometimes the field doesn't grow for whatever reason. So it's not a guaranteed added value when he works the field that he's definitely going to get produce. So that's why it's not full-fledged ribis because when the lender takes the field, he's not getting assured extra value. It's possible or even likely that if he works the field, he's going to get some produce. But since it's not guaranteed, so that's not full ribis, as opposed to if he gets collateral of a house, so housing is automatically a value because the person can live in the house, which is automatically a guaranteed value. 
value. So that would be full-fledged ribis. So there's a difference between a house versus a field that if the collateral is a house over and above the actual repayment of the loan, that is full ribis. And if it's a field, that's avak ribis. It's only like ribis. And now the Rambam adds, It's not like an asmachta, which is when someone sells something, but they don't really intend to sell it. So they don't really want to go ahead with the sale. So that's not considered a valid sale in halacha because there was no intention to complete the sale. So maybe the borrower here also does not really want the lender taking the produce of the field. So the Rambam explains that there's a difference. When someone sells an asmachta, they don't actually intend to complete the sale. But in the case of collateral, he did fully intend for the lender to get the field in order to grow produce. So it's not an asmachta because the borrower had full intention for the lender to be able to use this field and grow produce. So that's how the Rambam explains the framework of this halacha. Now in the next halacha, he adds, Horu miktsas ge'onim. There are some ge'onim who disagree with the ruling of his teachers. So there is a debate over this issue. The first view was that of the Rambam's teachers. And now there are other ge'onim who disagree. Shekol mashkuna she'ein baniko iklal harehi ribis ktsutsa. That any collateral that does not diminish the repayment obligation. So if he loaned him $100 and then the borrower gives him collateral and he gets $50 from that collateral, but it doesn't diminish the borrower's repayment obligation by half down to 50. So according to these Gaonim, that is full ribis. So they would hold that in the case of the field, if the lender ends up with the full repayment of the loan, as well as the produce of the field, that's ribis kitsutsa, it's full ribis. But says the Rambam, they did not get to the bottom of this matter to make this distinction between a field versus a courtyard. That's why they had a problem with the Gemara, because since they didn't understand this distinction, so they were not able to make sense of the Gemara. So basically, the Rambam quotes a debate over this issue, whether if the borrower gives collateral of a field, it's the parallel of giving a house as collateral. Giving a house as collateral is certainly prohibited. The question is, what about a field? So the first view holds that a field is only avak ribis because it's not guaranteed income from the produce, whereas a house is guaranteed income. And the second opinion doesn't differentiate that way. They hold that in all cases it's prohibited. And then the Rambam alludes to some contradiction in the Gemara, which the second view is not able to explain. So we'll see exactly what that is in a minute. Now, the Ravid disagrees with the Rambam. He says it is true that there's a difference between a vineyard versus a field. But it's not to be more lenient with a field, it's to be more stringent with a vineyard. The view that holds that collateral that doesn't diminish 
the overall repayment obligation is considered ribis kitsutsa, amar kenaf holds that even for a field. So according to the Raivid, the Rambam's idea that a field is not full ribis because it's not guaranteed income is not correct, but rather it's like any other collateral, and if it doesn't diminish the repayment obligation, so then it is full ribis. Umay dekashale dravina dravina, now the contradiction within ravina so there's an answer for that, as I mentioned. So again, the Ravid makes mention of some contradiction in the Gemara, like the Rambam did, but he said that he already answered it. So we'll see exactly what all this is later. And there are further factors which are also relevant, like whether this is a place where the custom is that as soon as the borrower repays the loan, he immediately gets back his collateral, or the lender gets to keep the collateral until the appointed time. So there are other factors that are also going to affect whether this is ribis. So that is the Ravid's comment where he disagrees with the Rambam. So Rab Chaim explains what's going on here is that the Gemara in Bametziah Dav Samach Beis quotes from Ravina, Mashkanta below nechaisa ein machzirin mimalve If the borrower gives the lender a collateral that does not diminish the overall obligation of repayment, he cannot collect that money in court. So the reason is because it's a vak ribis, full ribis, the borrower can go to court and get back. So the fact that he can't get the money back in this case means that it's not full ribis, it's a vak ribis. So why is this not full ribis when the lender ended up getting back the value of the loan plus the collateral? So he collected more than he loaned. So why is that not full ribis? So the explanation for this is later on in the Gemara, in Bamatziah Daf Samach Zayin, it quotes that Rabbi Barav Huna said, If someone sells a field with Asmachta, so they did not really intend to sell it, so that actually becomes a loan. It's like the buyer gave the seller money. Now the seller is going to have to return the money, but in the meantime, the buyer got a collateral of the field. So those produce, whatever it produces, is a vak ribis. It's not full ribis, but it is a form of ribis. So the Gemara asks, what would be in a case of a traditional mashkanta, a regular collateral? Not this unusual case of a sale that didn't go through, but what would happen in a normal case where someone loans money to the borrower and the borrower gives them a collateral of a field? Do we apply the same logic? Is the reason in that case why it's not full ribis because it's not guaranteed income. It's not a set amount. So in any case, even a regular loan, it's not a set amount. Or is the reason why it's not full ribis in this unusual case because it was intended as a sale, but if it was intended as a loan, so then it would be considered full ribis kitsutsa. So he answered him, the basis for the leniency in this case is because it's not a set amount. So we see that the explanation for this halacha, the reason why it's not full ribis, is this idea that a collateral of a field is not a set amount 
And in order for something to be full ribis, it needs to be a set amount. So that's why collateral of a field is never ribis kitsutsa. It's only avak ribis. Now, what does it mean that it needs to be a set amount? What does katsle mean? So Rashi explains that it means that when they make this transaction, so the lender loans the borrower money and the borrower gives him his field as collateral. So it's understood that the lender is going to get produce from the field, but that's not explicit in their transaction. The way they set this up is not that the borrower is giving the lender the produce of the field. He just gives him a field. Now, whatever happens after that, meaning when the lender works the field and gets produce from it, so that is extra income for the lender, but it's a result of the original transaction. It's not the actual transaction itself. So within the transaction, the borrower never agreed to repay the lender more than he was loaned. So that's why it's not full ribis. Now, it is a form of ribis because at the end of the day, the lender is going to get more than he loaned. But that's a result of the transaction as opposed to the transaction itself. All the borrower actually gave the lender was a field and whatever the lender did with it is really his own business. So that's why Rashi explains that it's not full ribis. Now, other commentators explain it like the Rambam does that a field is not guaranteed income because even if he works it, there's no guarantee that he's going to get produce this season. So it might be that the whole thing's a bust and he doesn't end up with any produce. So that's what the Gemara means that this is not full ribis because since when he gave him the collateral, it was not guaranteed income. So that's not full ribis, but it is a form of ribis because the lender is going to end up with more money than he loaned out. So those are the two ways to understand this logic of the Gemara. According to Rashi, because the borrower never gave the lender extra money, he just gave him a field, which is a regular piece of collateral, and then the lender made extra money off of it. And according to the Rambam, because it's not guaranteed income when he gives him the field as collateral, because it's possible that that year the field won't produce anything. Now, the difference between these two explanations is if the lender does stipulate with the borrower at the moment of the transaction that he's going to eat the produce from the field. So according to Rashi, now that would be full ribis because since it's built into the transaction, not only that the lender gets the field, but that he gets the produce of the field, so that is full ribis. Whereas according to the Rambam, that's still only avak ribis because there's still no guaranteed produce. Even though the lender is saying that he's going to get the produce, but we don't even know if there's going to be produce, so it's not full ribis. So that's the debate between the Rambam and the Raivid. The Raivid follows Rashi's understanding of this Gemara. So the Rambam wrote that if he gave him his field as collateral, al-minas shiyochal peroseha, with the explicit stipulation that the lender gets the produce. So even in that case, the Rambam says it's only avak ribis. It's not actual ribis because it's not guaranteed income. It's only avak ribis. So the Raivid, following Rashi's approach, disagrees with that. And he says that since it was an explicit stipulation within the transaction to begin with, that the lender gets the produce, so now that's full ribis. If they had left it that the lender is getting the field, and then whatever he chooses to do with it is his own business, then that would be avak ribis. But since it's built into the collateral, the stipulation that the lender gets the produce, so says the Ravid, that is katzle, that is a set 
added value because it's built into the collateral that the lender gets extra income. So that's full ribis kitsutsa. Now, the Rambam makes a further distinction between a field versus a house, that a house is guaranteed income. Now, the reason for this is because the Gemara in Erchen Lamed Aleph, in the Mishnah, it says that bate are a So if someone sells a house within a walled city, so the halacha is that the seller can redeem that house within the first year. They have a year to buy back their house. So that's a case of ribis because basically the buyer gave the seller money for the house. Now they're living in the house. So the house is like a collateral and the seller could return that money at any point during the year and get the house back. So it's almost like a loan and the buyer is living in the house as collateral. So the Gemara says that in fact, that is a case of interest, but the Torah allowed it. So we see from that that ordinarily this would be prohibited except for this case where the Torah allowed it. But normally using a house as collateral is ribis. So the Rambam has to explain why using a house as collateral is ribis when using a field is not. So that's how he explains the distinction that a house is guaranteed income because the person gets to live in there. So that has a guaranteed value as opposed to a field, which is not guaranteed income. Now, Toso quotes from Rabbeinu Tam that even a house is not guaranteed income because it could burn down. So if someone gives someone a house as collateral, that's not guaranteed income because if the house burns down during this period, they won't get to live in it. So the way Tosos explains the Gemara in Erchen that says that living in a house as collateral is ribis is again that it's not full ribis. It's not guaranteed income. So it's not ribis kitsutsa. It's only ribis durabanan. So according to Tosvos, the case in Erchen is the equivalent of a field. A house and a field are the same, that neither of them are guaranteed income. So they're both only rabbinic ribis. Whereas according to the Rambam, a house is guaranteed income. Income. So that's why the Gemara in Erchen implies that it would have been ribis even under Torah law, whereas a field is not guaranteed income, so it's only rabbinic ribis. So there's a debate between the Rambam versus Rabbeinu Tam whether a house is guaranteed income and therefore ribis kitsutsa if it's used as collateral. So at the end of this first paragraph, Rab Chaim's created the framework of this halacha and he's discussed three opinions. The Ravid and the Gaonim that the Rambam quotes, they hold that both a house and a field are guaranteed income. Now, there is a different reason why a field may not be ribis kitsutsa because they didn't agree that the lender is going to get the produce. But in terms of guaranteed income, both a house and a field are guaranteed income. On the other end of the spectrum is Rabbeinu Tam. He holds that neither a field nor a house are guaranteed income. A field because it might not grow anything and a house because it might burn down. And the Rambam in the middle differentiates that a field is not guaranteed income whereas a house is. Now in the second paragraph, Rab Chaim turns to trying to figure out what is the question on the Gaonim that the Rambam references. So the Rambam said that according to the Gaonim's view that both a house and a field are guaranteed income, there is some question from the Gemara that they're unable to resolve. So what is that question? So Rab Chaim at first suggests 
that it seems that the question the Rambam is referring to is a very basic one, which is why should collateral not be ribis kitsutsa? If the borrower gives the lender a field, why should that not in fact be ribis kitsutsa? A very basic question. Now, even though Rashi does have an approach to that, so presumably the Gaonim and the Raivid, they would understand this like Rashi, that the reason a field as collateral is not ribis kitsutsa is because it's not agreed upon at the beginning of the transaction that the lender is going to get the produce. So there is a way for the Gaonim to interpret this halacha. But says Rab Chaim, either the Rambam doesn't like that interpretation of Rashi. So the Rambam's not saying they don't have an interpretation. He's just saying that he doesn't think that's a convincing way to understand the Gemara. Or the Rambam felt that there's another problem because he interpreted that the Gemara is referring to even in a case where the lender explicitly stipulated that he's going to get the produce. Because the Rambam held that if the lender didn't stipulate, the borrower just gave him a field. Of course, that's not ribis kitsutsa. As Rashi says, because it's not built into the transaction that the lender gets anything extra than what he loaned. So the Gemara doesn't need to tell us if there's no stipulation that it's not ribis kitsutsa. Must be that the Gemara is referring to when the lender did stipulate that he gets the produce. So so now the lender is saying explicitly that he's going to get more than he loaned and it's still not ribis kitsutsa. So says the Rambam, the Gaonim have no way to explain that. So that's the problem with the Gaonim's reading of the Gemara that the Rambam is referencing. Now, Rab Chaim explains that the way Rashi would counter that question is that he would say that even though the lender did not explicitly stipulate that he gets the produce, so it's not built into the transaction that the lender gets more but any time the borrower gives the lender a collateral of a field, it's understood that the lender is going to be getting the produce, so he's going to be getting extra income. You don't need to be a genius to understand what's about to happen. So that's why we would have thought that even though the lender didn't stipulate that he's getting the extra income, it's understood from the fact that the borrower gave him a field that this collateral is going to lead to extra income. So maybe that should be ribis kitsutsu. So that's why the Gemara has to explain to us that in that case, it is not ribis kitsutsa so long as they don't say it explicitly. But once they say it explicitly, so then Rashi holds that in fact it is ribis kitsutsa. So now how does the Rambam respond to this? So Rab Chaim continues to sort of create this conversation between them. The Rambam would counter to Rashi that since it's understood that the lender is going to be getting the extra income, even though they didn't say it explicitly, but that's the same thing as if they said it explicitly. So if everybody understands that the collateral is going to lead to extra income for the lender, then that is ribis kitsutsa. And the proof for that is the case of the house in Erchin, where the Gemara says that that would have been ribis kitsutsa if not that the Torah allowed it. Even though the lender doesn't explicitly say, I'm taking this house to live in it, he just says, I'm taking the house as collateral and it's understood that he's going to live in it. So we see that that even if the lender doesn't say it explicitly, it's just understood from the situation that he's going to be getting extra value, that is considered ribis kitsutsa.
Mitzvah, there is no difference between whether they say it or it's understood. So according to the Rambam, the distinction between whether they say it or not is not a valid distinction. The only distinction is whether it's guaranteed income. So that's why the Rambam says the Gemara must be talking about where it's either understood that the lender gets extra value or he even said it explicitly. Both are the same. And the reason why it's not Ribis Kitsutsa is because it's not guaranteed that there's going to be extra income. So now the Geonim and Rashi, they would respond to this argument of the Rambam like Rabbeinu Tam. They would agree with Rabbeinu Tam's view that the case in Erchin of the house as collateral is only Ribis Drabanan. It's not Ribis Kitsutsa. So that answers this argument of the Rambam that if it's understood that the lender is going to get extra value, it's Ribis Kitsutsa. According to Rashi and the Gaonim and Rabbeinu Tam, that's not the case. Even though it's understood that the lender is going to live in the house, it's still only Ribis Drabanan unless they say so explicitly. So now we connect Rashi and the Ravid and the Gaonim with the view of Rabbeinu Tam about a house as collateral. Now, the Rambam, as we know, disagrees with that view of Rabbeinu Tam. He holds that a house as collateral is ribis kitsutsa. It's ribis under Torah law, even though the lender never said explicitly that he's going to live in it because it's understood and that is considered ribis kitsutsa. So this is a very nice reading of the debate between the Rambam and the Geonim. And according to this, everybody is lining up in all the cases consistently. The Rambam understands that the only distinction is between guaranteed income. So that explains the Gemara and Erechen about a house as collateral. And that's why, according to the Rambam, there cannot be a distinction between whether the lender said it explicitly or not. So that's not a valid distinction within the Gemara. Whereas according to the Geonim, they follow Rashi and Rabbeinu Tom's reading, so they do distinguish between whether it was explicitly said that the lender gets extra income or not. So there's no need to say that a field is not guaranteed income. So both approaches are consistent in interpreting all these halachas. But says Rab Chaim, this whole reading of the Rambam, as well as it fits in, but it's not the way the Ravid understood the Rambam. Because the Ravid says that the Rambam's question is a contradiction within Ravina. So the question is not as Rab Chaim interpreted it in this simple way at the beginning of the paragraph that the Rambam wonders why, according to the Gaonim, a collateral of a field is not Ribis Kitsutsa. According to the Raivid, the question that the Rambam's referencing is a contradiction within Ravina, that according to the Rambam's approach, there is an answer, whereas according to the Gaonim, there is not. So what is the contradiction within Ravina? So Ravina and Daf Samach Beis, as we saw earlier, says that that if he gives him collateral that's not going to diminish the obligation of repayment, that is avak ribis, and the borrower cannot get back the extra money that he paid in court. Whereas on Daf Samach Zayin, the Gemara tells a story of a Ravina Uvda Va'apik Piri, that Ravina did in fact take the money away from the lender, the extra produce that he collected from the collateral, Ravina took it away and returned it to the borrower. So that's because it's full ribis. So we see from that story that Ravina does not hold it's only avak ribis. He holds that it's full ribis kitsutsa. And that story is also talking about low katzle, where it was not set. 
So we can't differentiate along those lines. So both Gemaras on Samach Beis and Samach Zayin are talking about where it's not set income. And still on Daf Samach Beis, Ravina says that the extra income from the collateral is Avak Ribis. And on Daf Samach Zayin, he says that it's Ribis Kitsutsa. So that's the contradiction within Ravina. And according to the Ravid, that's the problem that the Rambam is referencing, that according to the Gaonim, there is no answer. But says Rab Chaim, there's a problem with this reading of the Rambam because in fact, the Rambam's distinction between a field and a house does not answer that question. Both Gemaras regarding Ravina are talking about a field. So the Rambam's distinction between a field and a house is not going to explain the contradiction. So the Gaonim's disagreement with the Rambam has nothing to do with these two Gemaras. Now, the Rambam does in fact have an answer to this question, but it has nothing to do with his debate with the Gaonim him whether there's a difference between a field and a house as collateral. The Rambam's answer is his distinction between a sale of asmachta versus a loan. So the Rambam seems to answer this question by suggesting that when the sale is asmachta, which is the case on Samach Zion, so there the seller does not ever intend to go through with the sale. So it's a worse form of ribis because now the buyer ends up with the money back as well as the collateral of the field that they used. So that's full ribis kitsutsa and it gets returned in court. As opposed to a loan where the borrower does intend for the lender to get the field as a collateral. So there was full intention to give this field to the lender until he repays the loan. So that's a lower form of ribis. It's only avak ribis and he can't get the money back in court. So that's why on Samach Beis Ravina said that it's only avak ribis because it's talking about a loan. Whereas on Samach Zion, it's talking about this sale of Asmachta, which is worse because the seller never intended to do this at all. So that's why it's Ribis Kitsutsa. So the Rambam does have an answer to this question, but again, it has nothing to do with his debate with the Gaonim, whether there's a difference between a field and a house. So why does the Ravid say that the Rambam is referring to this question and saying that the Gaonim have no way to answer it when they could just answer seemingly the same as the Rambam, that there's a difference between an asmachta versus a loan. And the Lecha Mishnah has a long discussion on this halacha. He goes through five different opinions how to interpret this halacha, and he also raises this question on the Ravid. So Rab Chaim explains this, and as usual, he gets into the conceptual issue involved. So he asks, according to the Rambam, that the leniency for a field as collateral is because it's not guaranteed income. So that's why it's not ribis kitsutsa, it's only avak ribis. But how does that work? Because even though it's possible that the field won't produce extra income for the lender, but it's also possible that it will produce extra income. And in fact, that's obviously what happened here because since the borrower is coming to court to try to get back the extra income that the lender got, so obviously the field did produce extra income. The lender got more money back than he loaned out. So why at the end of the day is that not considered ribis kitsutsa when the lender did get back more than he loaned out. So what is the basis for this whole halacha to begin with that since the lender may not have gotten extra income, it's not considered ribis kitsutsa even when he does end up getting extra income. So Rab Chaim explains that since when he first gave him the collateral, it wasn't clear that there was going to be extra income, even though afterwards, at a later date, it did become clear that there was extra income. But since at the moment, 
moment when he gave him the collateral, there was no such guarantee. So it's not ribis kitsutsa, even though the field does produce extra income later on. So ribis kitsutsa depends on the moment when the collateral was first given over. But says Rab Chaim, that's still not a great explanation because when he gave him the collateral, it was understood that any extra income was going to belong to the lender. So even though it wasn't guaranteed income, but whatever is produced later on, so it's added additional income for the lender, the basis for his getting that is the fact that he got the collateral to begin with. So again, why shouldn't that be ribis kitsutsa? Because now that in fact the lender did get extra income over and above what he loaned. And the reason he got that is because he got collateral from the borrower with the understanding that he would keep all the added income. So that should be regular ribis kitsutsa as if the borrower in fact gave him extra money. So it should be full ribis even according to the Torah. So we're back to the question, why should this not be considered ribis kitsutsa even though it wasn't guaranteed income originally, but once there is extra income, why is that not considered ribis kitsutsa? And what does it matter that to begin with, it wasn't guaranteed that there would be extra income? So Rab Chaim gives a sharper formulation of this idea. And he says that even if we accept the fact that once the lender gets extra income, that is kitsutsa. So it's as if the borrower did in fact give him extra income through the collateral, even so, this is not going to be prohibited ribis mida oraisa because when the lender actually gave him the field, at that moment, it was not guaranteed income. So all he did was give him a field. So the actual transaction between them had nothing to do with the produce. The only thing the borrower gave the lender was the actual land itself. And whatever the lender got out of that land, so he then went ahead and plowed and planted the field and got produce from it, but that's his own hard work that he invested in the field. It didn't come from the borrower. The only thing the borrower gave the lender was just the field itself. He did not in any way give him the produce. And the fact that the lender was able to get produce out of this field is the lender's own hard work. So that's not considered ribis under Torah law. The Torah only prohibited ribis, which is paid by the borrower, not something that the lender was able to accomplish on his own. So applying this explanation, Rab Chaim says, now we can understand the view of the Rambam. We already mentioned the contradiction between Ravina and Daf Samach Beis versus Samach Zion. On Samach Beis, he said that the added value from a collateral is avak ribis, whereas on Samach Zion, it sounds like it's ribis kitsutsa because Ravina took the money and returned it to the borrower. So we already said that the Rambam differentiates between these cases that the case on Samach Zayin is talking about a sale of Asmachta, whereas Samach Beis is talking about a loan. So in other Rishonim, they say a similar distinction, but the point of the answer is totally different from the Rambam. They explained that on Samach Beis, it was a regular loan. So that's why the added income from the collateral is 
is only avak ribis, as opposed to samach zayin, which was a sale of asmachta. Now, the reason why Ravina returned the extra value of the produce to the seller has nothing to do with ribis, according to this approach. It has to do with a totally different idea, which is that since the seller never intended to sell because it was asmachta, so it was a badly done sale. So the whole sale was retroactively nullified. So it turned out that nothing had happened at all. So when the buyer was using the produce of this field, it wasn't his at all. So that's why Ravina took the produce and returned it to the seller. Because since it was asmachta, the whole thing fell apart and there was no reason for the buyer to be using the field at all. So it had nothing to do with ribis. He was not enforcing a ribis halacha. He was just saying that the sale is totally nullified. Now, the Rambam, as Rab Chaim said earlier, does not apply it in this way. The Rambam's formulation is that Ravina returned the produce to the seller because of a ribis halacha. It was not an asmachta sale halacha. It was because the buyer using the produce violated the rules of ribis. So that's why Ravina returned that extra value to the seller. And the Rambam makes that clear in this halacha because he explains that when there's a sale of asmachta, the reason why the seller gets the produce back has to do with ribis. And the reason the Rambam reads the Gemara that way is because he holds that the whole issue the Gemara is discussing has to do with ribis. So why would it just include a random halacha of asmachta sales when the Gemara's context is referring to ribis? So according to the Rambam, even though the distinction is between a regular loan versus an asmachta sale, but in both cases, the discussion has to do with the laws of ribis. So now that explains the flow of this halacha in the Rambam. First, he quotes the view of his teachers that there's a difference between a field which is not guaranteed income, so it's only avak ribis, versus a house as collateral, which is guaranteed income, so it's ribis kitsutsa. And then the Rambam says there is a third category, which is a sale of asmachta, which is also a field, so it's not guaranteed income, and yet it's considered ribis kitsutsa. So this is now an unusual case because even even though the buyer was given a field, so it's not guaranteed income, it's still considered ribis kitsutsa. So why should that be different than any other field as collateral, which is only avak ribis? So that's why the Rambam now inserts why the sale of a field as asmachta is different from regular collateral of a field. And the difference is in what's being given over. So when the borrower gives a field as collateral, so as Rab Chaim just explained, the field itself self is being given over, not the produce. Now, what the lender chooses to do with the field is sort of his own business. Whatever improvements or whatever produce he gets out of the field, that belongs to him because it was done under his jurisdiction. So he took this field into his ownership for the time being, and then he got produce out of it. So whatever the field yields during that period belongs to the lender. So that's the reason why it's not ribis kitsutsa because it doesn't actually come from the borrower. Ribis is only what the borrower pays the lender over and above the loan. But in this case, the produce does not come from the borrower. It comes from the lender. So it's only avak ribis. As opposed to the sale of asmachta where the seller never intended to really sell it. 
So the sale never really went through. So in that case, he did not give him ownership of the field for the time being. And in fact, the seller retained the ownership of the field even as the produce was coming out of it, even as the buyer was taking the produce. So this is now a case where the seller was giving the extra value directly to the buyer. So now that it's considered a loan, that the buyer had given the seller some money, which the seller now returns, but the extra income from the produce needs to be returned because that produce was given directly from the borrower, meaning the seller in this case directly to the lender, meaning the buyer, because it was not done under the ownership of the buyer. The field was still fully owned by the seller. He never intended to sell it at all. So any extra produce is full ribis kitsutsa because it doesn't have the standard leniency that the borrower only gave the lender a field and then the lender produced the produce on their own. In this case, that's not true because the seller never really gave the field over to the buyer. So any produce that came out of the field belongs to the seller and it's like it was given directly to the buyer. So that's full ribis kitsutsa. And that's why Ravina said that it has to be returned to the seller under the rules of ribis. So that's why the Rambam holds that the reason the produce is returned to the seller in an asmachta sale has to do with the laws of ribis. And it doesn't matter that this is a field, so it's not guaranteed income because the lack of guaranteed income is only a leniency when the borrower gives the field over to the lender. So it's the lender who's producing whatever comes out of that field. But if the borrower is directly paying extra produce value to the lender, so then even if it's not guaranteed income, it doesn't make a difference. As Rab Chaim just explained previously, that it doesn't really matter when the extra income comes. Either way, it's going to be ribis kitsutsa. The only leniency is based on the fact that at the moment of the transaction, the borrower gave over the field to the lender. So any added value after that was not coming from the borrower to the lender. It's the lender's own field that produced it. But none of that applies in the case of Asmachta because the seller never really gave the field over to the buyer. So any extra produce does not come from a field that the buyer owns at the time. It comes from a field that the seller still owns. So even if it's not guaranteed income, it's still full ribis kitsutsa. So that explains the overall framework of the Rambam in this halacha, that first he differentiates between collateral of a house versus a field, that a field is not guaranteed income. And then he has to explain why the case of an asmachta is different, where even though it's not guaranteed income, it's still considered ribis kitsutsa. So now that's what the Rambam adds in, the way the Ravid reads this next line, that there are some Ga'onim who disagree and they hold that a field is guaranteed income. So now says the Rambam, according to them, the whole distinction between an asmachta and regular collateral falls apart. Because since a field is always guaranteed income, so it should always be ribis kitsutsa, not only in the case of asmachta. So now we are back to the contradiction between Ravina and Samech Beis and Ravina and Samech Zayin. 
The Rambam just put in a lot of hard work to explain that there's a difference between a regular field as collateral where there's no guaranteed income versus asmachta where the lack of guaranteed income doesn't make a difference. But according to the view of the Gaonim, a field as collateral is guaranteed income. So now there's no longer a difference between the case of asmachta versus a regular loan with the field as collateral. So now we're back to the contradiction within Ravina. So that's how the Ravid connects all of this together. And that's what he says that according to the Rambam, the question on the Gaonim is how to answer the contradiction within Ravina. So that's Rab Chaim's suggested approach to explain the question of the Rambam on the Gaonim according to the Ravid's reading. And it's based on this fancy framework of his conceptual understanding of why the Rambam holds that if there's no guaranteed income, it's not Ribis Kitsutsa. Now, Rab Chaim points out that there is a much simpler way to understand this question. So perhaps it's unnecessary to say this whole conceptual framework because there is another much simpler way to understand what the Rambam is asking on the Gaonim. And that is that the Ravid himself wrote that there's a difference between a vineyard, which is guaranteed income. It's like living in a house as opposed to a field, which is not guaranteed income. So even within the world of produce, there is a difference between a vineyard which automatically produces as opposed to a field which does not automatically produce. So that could be a very simple answer for the contradiction in Ravina. And Daf Samach Beis, he's talking about a regular field which is not guaranteed income. So that's why it's not full ribis kitsutsa, it's only avak ribis. Whereas on Samach Zayin, it's talking about a vineyard which is guaranteed income. So that is full ribis kitsutsa and that's why Ravina returned the extra produce to the borrower. So this could be a very simple resolution to the contradiction within Ravina, having nothing to do with the whole issue of Asmachta. And it only fits according to the Rambam's view that there's a difference between a house versus a field because a field is not guaranteed income. So a vineyard is like a house. Whereas according to the Gaonim that they're both guaranteed income. So there's no difference between a vineyard and a field, just like there's no difference between a house and a field. So that's what the Rambam says. There's no way to answer the contradiction within Ravina. So this is another way to interpret the Rambam's question on the Gaonim without having to get involved at all in the issue of Asmachta. But says Rab Chaim, this is not going to work because earlier in Halacha Dalid, the Rambam writes, Hamalves al Hasada. If someone loans money to their friend on a field, so they designate this field as the repayment. And he says to him, if you don't pay me back by three years from now, so this field belongs to me. So the Rambam says that does not work and the lender does not get the field because it's an asmachta. The borrower thought he would repay the loan and he had no intention to actually sell this field. So therefore he has to take off all the produce that he ate over those three years. He has to diminish it from the repayment obligation, otherwise it's ribis of the Torah. So in this halacha, the Rambam rules that the lender has to return the added value of the produce to the borrower because it's ribis kitsutsa, it's Torah ribis, 
even though we're talking about a field which is not guaranteed income. And the Rambam is not saying that because it's an asmachta, so whatever produce the lender ate during those years, it's as if he stole it. The Rambam explicitly says that it's a problem of ribis. So the issue here is not stolen produce, it's ribis produce. But how can the Rambam hold that this is ribis kitsutsa of the Torah when the Rambam writes just a few halachas later that a field is not ribis Kitsutsa because it's not guaranteed income. So why in this case should it be ribis kitsutsa? Says Rab Chaim, it must be like he just explained, that there is a difference between an asmachta versus a regular loan. The only time a lack of guaranteed income makes it avak ribis and not ribis kitsutsa is only for a regular loan. But when it's asmachta, so he never intended to give over the field to begin with, the field remained in the hands of the borrower or the seller, so that is full ribis, even under Torah law, even though it's not guaranteed income, because whatever produce comes to the buyer slash lender comes directly from the seller, so that is full ribis kitsutsa. So even though there's another way to explain what the Rambam's asking on the Gaonim, but this earlier Rambam does pose a problem, and the way to answer that is using Rab Chaim's overall approach, that there's a difference between asmachta versus is a regular loan. So even though we may not be able to prove it internally from this halacha, but halacha dalid does prove Rab Chaim's overall approach in this piece. So at the end, Rab Chaim's more conceptual approach is the way to read the Rambam in this halacha based on the question from halacha dalid. So now if we apply the difference between asmachta versus a regular loan, so that explains what the Rambam is asking on the Gaonim, that according to his view, the difference between between Ravina and Samach Beis and Samach Zion is that on Samach Zion we're dealing with the case of Asmachta. So that's why it's Ribis Kitsutsa even though it's a field. Whereas according to the Gaonim that a field is always guaranteed income so there is no difference between Samach Beis and Samach Zion. So that's Rab Chaim's overall analysis of the Rambam according to the reading of the Ravid. And now Rab Chaim ends the piece by explaining the Ravid's approach. So the Ravid understands that Ravina and Samach Beis holds that a field as collateral is only avak ribis because it's low cuts. It's not a set amount, which according to the Ravid following Rashi's interpretation means that they did not explicitly say that the lender is going to get the extra value, but it doesn't mean that a field is not guaranteed income. So according to the Ravid, a field is guaranteed income. So now we have a contradiction between Ravina and Samach Zayin. Why did he say that a field is ribis kitsutsa? So the Ravid acknowledged this issue. That's what he says, that there's a contradiction de Ravina ad Ravina between the two Ravinas. So how does the Ravid answer that? So he says, the answer is like I wrote earlier in his critique of Halacha Dalid, the Ravid says that the reason Ravina returned the produce to the seller is because of Gezel, because it's like the buyer stole the produce because it was an Asmachta. So those years, the produce should have belonged to the seller, not the buyer. So that's why he returned the produce having nothing to do with ribis. So according to the Ravid, he disagrees with the Rambam's formulation of this distinction between Asmachta versus a regular loan. According to the Rambam, they're both an issue of ribis. The difference is when it comes to Asmachta, the seller never intended to really give the field to the buyer, so it's ribis kitsutsa. Whereas the Ravid follows the other formulation that Rab Chaim quoted earlier, that the difference is when it comes to Asmachta, 
It's not an issue of ribis at all. It's an issue of gezel that the buyer had no right to be using this produce all those years. So that's why he has to return it to the owner. But in fact, it is not considered ribis kitsutsa. So that's how the Ravid reads all these different sources consistent with his own position. So that's Rab Chaim's interpretation of this halacha in the Rambam. And he explains how the Rambam and the Ravid are arguing over a number of sources each one creating a framework that's consistent with their own view of this issue. The key conceptual idea that Rab Chaim develops is this explanation of the Rambam's reason why a field which is not guaranteed income is not considered ribis kitsutsa, even though at the end of the day, the lender does get extra value from the produce of the field over and above the amount that he loaned. So Rab Chaim explains, because the way the collateral works is that the borrower just gives the lender the field. Whatever the lender does after that is in the lender's own domain, but it's not coming from the borrower. And ribis of the Torah only applies to things that the borrower gives to the lender. But if the lender produces it from something that the borrower gave him, but at this point it belongs to him, so that is not ribis kitsutsa. So that's how Rab Chaim explains the conceptual basis for this leniency. And based on that, he explains why the case of Asmachta is different because the seller never really intended to give the field over to the buyer. So whatever produce the buyer gets is as if it's coming directly from the seller to the buyer. So now that's full ribis kitsutsa. Now, Rav Shach in Avi Ezri in Malva Velova Yud Dalid, so he asks on Rav Chaim's explanation that even though the borrower is not giving the lender the actual produce of the field, but why isn't it ribis? Because he's giving him a field that itself has a certain value. In other words, people rent a field or they buy a field in order to have the ability to grow produce on that land. So even if the borrower is not giving the actual produce, but he is giving a certain value by giving this field that the lender is able to use. So why is that itself not ribis, even according to the explanation that Rab Chaim's offering? In addition, he points out that Rashi's view is not so simple that he holds lokatzle means that it wasn't set, meaning they didn't agree to it explicitly because there is another comment of Rashi where he seems to indicate, like the Rambam, that the field may not give produce, so it's not guaranteed income. So he has a little bit of a different twist to understand Rashi's view.